0: And so, um, today, we're going to talk about something that the Bible talks about. If you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, this might be weird or you're not sure about, but some of us, this will make perfect sense, and what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about what does it mean? What is a generational curse? Have you ever heard that phrase? Some of you have. It's generational curses, right? The reason that we're going to talk about this, I was actually, um, let me tell you where I got the idea from, actually, was um, I I listened to this uh, podcast. It's uh, called APJ, Ask Pastor John. He's this old pastor. You should all listen to the podcast, Ask Pastor John. And what he does is in like 12, 13 minutes or less, he answers a question. And the, the question hit me so hard that I thought I needed to, Go into this a little bit more, and I thought that maybe we could grow in it together. Because for a lot of my life, I don't know about most of you, but a lot of my life, I've sort of grown with this sort of dark cloud over my head, thinking that nothing good can happen to me. And the reason that nothing good can happen to me is because, and I wouldn't use this word, cursed, cursed. But that was the way I sort of felt. When I was growing up, do you you know the person who, um, who was in your block, who would scream and shout and yell on the corner and cause a ruckus, and that was like the crazy person, the crazy lady of the neighborhood and all that stuff? Did you guys have one of those? I had one of those in my neighborhood, except the one in my neighborhood was my mom. No kidding. No kidding. My mom's a paranoid schizophrenic who's also bipolar and has a lot, of, a lot of struggles. And my mother was the one who was yelling on the corners. I remember one time, two blocks away, she was it's three blocks away, she was starting and she would do this, what she called singing, but it was yelling, shouting really loud. And I remember I was talking to my sister and then I heard my mother, and I ran outside. I was a teenager. You can imagine the shame that I felt. You can imagine the shame that I walked with my whole life. I ran out. I said, ma, 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 ma. In Spanish, I told her, ma, sing to me. Come home. Sing to me. I want you to sing to me at home. Come, come, come. I want you to sing to me. I don't know. Was I 14, 15, 16? But I remember those explosions. And I thought, all the way up into my late 30s and early 40s, that that's gonna be me. Every time, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor of this church, and and you guys know I've shared this enough with you. I suffer from anxieties and depression, and it gets real dark in my life sometimes. And I'm so grateful for the church. I think if I didn't have the church, I'd be I I'd, I'd have to take a boatload of medication. But we have a church. And this church, listen to me. I pray that the only mask you ever wear is the one that you have on now. I pray that we're always a church where we can be broken before each other cuz I don't know if you know this. Jesus only saves broken people. Well, I would I would be and meet, when the fire happened, and, and you know, we have a fire, that's why we meet down here, there was a fire upstairs. And, and I would think, and when anxieties would kick in, when I would start to get, uh, really, I would, this is, this is the narrative that would happen in my mind. It's gonna happen. It's happening. It, n- now's the time. It, I'm gonna lose it. This is the moment where all the fears come to reality. Uh, I'm gonna have to go to the hospital, and they're gonna have to medicate me because something snapped. It was something that happened in my mother's life, but I carried it with me like it was my own. Now, I'm not the only person who walked around thinking that they had this sort of generational curse. For some of us, um, Bobby was promiscuous, and his Bobby was promiscuous, and his Bobby before him was promiscuous. And so now I get married, and what do I have to be? Promiscuous. Or before I get married, I have to be promiscuous. It's like, and and so we we have these phrases. There, There are sins, and not just sins, but there are maladies and heartaches and brokenness from our families that we think we have to take with us. Now, this is not for everyone. I just want to talk to the, those who are broken and come from broken families. If you're here and you don't come from a broken family, you can listen in and find out how you can serve broken families. Or you might find out that maybe your brokenness has been hidden from you. And maybe it can be revealed. But I don't, I don't know what your story is. But I remember that the violence that I saw my father, I duplicated with my wife. That the unfaithfulness that I saw with my father and my mother, I duplicated with my wife. That the sin, and I thought I had to, it was like a part of the inheritance. Maybe some of us have grown up with those kinds of thoughts. And maybe it was really inherited to you. You heard things from your parents. Things, <clears throat> in Spanish, it has such a much, it's a much more powerful uh, phrase. Una maldición. A, a, a curse. You heard curses from your parents. And you didn't even view them as curses. You just got them. It was like, Something like this. Um, I wish you were never born. Or you're going to be just like your father. You notice that they never say that. Moms never say that as a compliment. But that's what we walked around in. And you've walked around that, and that's sort of been a low-grade sort of narrative in your mind where you've been walking around with that. And you feel like it's never going to lift. Some of you think, I'll never get clean. I'll never be uh, in a faithful relationship. I'll never get over my rage. Because it was, and you say things, see, you don't talk in terms of like curses. You just go, um, oh. Um, oh, boy, you're aggressive. You go, no, 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 I'm just Italian. Or you go, boy, you look angry. And you go, no, 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 it's the Irish in me. It's like, mm. You're walking around with lies that you believe are true, lies that your parents and maybe their parents and maybe their parents believe they're true, but they're not. God knows that many of us will be given, will be inherited these types of lies. And so he, in his word, has taught us that there is freedom in Christ from those sins of our parents. And so we're going to get into God's word. Now, usually what happens is that I um, take one Section of scripture, and then we read it through. I give you the passage of the scripture, and I, t- I try to give you the context of the c- scripture. I explain the scripture, and then we try to apply the scripture. That's usually how it works here. Um, but it's the summer time, and so I'm going to try to give you a little bit more because I'm uh, because I'm here with you, and you're it's the summer. You're not going to be here next week. I might not be here next week, right? So, uh, um, so the point is, is that we get as much as we can. But I, I want you to take this in now. In your bulletin, we have what's called, what we used to call a sermon map. The reason I put the sermon map in there is because there's several points that we're going to be talking about, and there's little blanks that you can fill in. Now, if you have the sermon map, that's great. If you need one, raise your hand, and the hosts will bring it to you. And if you need a pencil or a pen, or a pencil, I think we have pencils, um, raise your hand, and we'll bring it to you. Does anybody need a bulletin? Um, or with the, with the thing? Anybody? We have one person over here. Uh, we have one person back there. If you need a pencil or something like that to write with, pencils over here. Okay. We have over there. Anyone else? Oh, we need a pencil? Yeah, yeah. Pencil over here. Okay. Now, the neat thing about this, oh, we got one more here. Um, okay. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. The neat thing about what these, call, we used to call them sermon maps. Um, the neat thing about the sermon map is that you get to take it with you. And you get to study it. And you get to, because it's not just enough to be here together. We, we want to get deeper and we want to study it and we want to learn. Okay? All right. So remember, we're talking about this. Now, the big idea today is simply this. That I want to move from the, the dysfunction in my life to devotion to Christ. Does that make sense? I want to move from dis- dysfunction in my life. The sins that my, my parents uh, adopted, the, my culture adopted, that my neighborhood adopted, that was inherited to me. I want to not live in that dysfunction, not live in those sins, not live under the dark cloud or the curse. I want to move towards devotion in Christ. Because in Christ we are what? New creations. The old has passed and the new in Christ has come. Okay, so I want you to write this down. Okay, here's the first point that we're trying to um, convey today. I want you to write this down. Take your pencil or pen out and write this down. The guilt of ungodly parents does not attach itself to us. The guilt of ungodly parents does not attach itself to us automatically, you could say. Or does not necessarily attach itself to us. The guilt of ungodly parents does not attach itself to us. Now, the reason that we say that is because in Ezekiel, we look at Ezekiel chapter 18. It's right there in your notes. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. It says this. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Okay, what that means is that the sins that my parents... You know how, like, sometimes... Um, and I've heard about this, like your parents will get into a crazy amount of debt, they'll die, and then it'll be the debt of the, especially, boy, you want to talk about a debt that keeps on giving? Like something like um, student loans. If you die, your kids have to pay that student loan. That's how profound that debt is, right? But that's not true in the Lord, that if there's wickedness in my father, it doesn't have to be my wickedness. I don't have to walk into the wickedness that my father walked into. Well, my father, some of you say, well, my father uh, my father died an alcoholic and my grandfather died an alcoholic and my brother died of an overdose. I guess that's just my lot in life. No, it's not. No, it's not. That could be their wickedness and it doesn't have to be yours. And even if it was yours, it doesn't have to any longer be yours. Does this make sense? Okay, so, I know that as I'm speaking, some of you are going, wait, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy, and you're going, Come on, man, you're, you're hiding stuff from us. We're going to go right to that scripture right now. It's Deuteronomy. The scripture you're thinking about is Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 9. That We're going to attack this one head on because this is, the, this, this is the stronghold in the mind, especially if you've been to church for a while. This is also the stronghold in some really bad churches who communicate this poorly. Okay, it says this. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. God is rebuking them. The people of Israel for worshiping other gods. And here's what he's saying Uh, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Stop. Look at me. You go, Well, Edwin, that doesn't sound like anything that you just said. In fact, it sounds like the opposite that you just said. And the reason that it sounds like the opposite that I just read is because when you read it and when I say it, we stop right where I stopped. Whether intellectually, emotionally, or even now, we don't read any further. But that's not the end of the verse. Listen to what it says. It says, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation circle this last phrase of those who hate me that's the key oh you hate God and want to run towards sin no my father was promiscuous and you hate God and you want to run to promiscuity oh yeah yeah that's you got that inherited yep Or almost like, you know, you've seen this before, right? So, uh, you know, granddad died of cancer from smoking, and then dad died of cancer from smoking, and then I started smoking and died of cancer. Well, of course, of course, if we continue to follow in the steps, if we continue to reject God, if we continue to pursue that which is not of Christ, and we pursue the sinful patterns that Satan trapped our parents into, Of course you're going to experience all sorts of negative consequences. That's what that text is saying. But it's only to those who hate God. You're here, I'm assuming, because you don't hate God. But let's say, let's say you're here for another reason. Maybe your wife said it's going to be a cold night if you don't show up to church. um, Or... Or maybe you got snookered into coming, right? A girl from the office said, hey, what are you doing? And she was cute. She said, hey, what you doing uh, on Sunday? And you thought she was going to, you know, I was like, oh, I, my, my calendar is clear. She was like, cool, come with me to church. And you were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I'd love to. And maybe that's you here right now. We all come to a church like this for all sorts of reasons. All sorts of reasons we come to a church like this. Not everybody comes here because, and some of us come because, you know, we feel a level of guilt and religiosity. And and we go, well, I have to do my religious duty. And so we come to a service like this. We all come for different reasons. But here's what I'm saying to you. You have an opportunity. God is opening his hands, extending them towards you and say, you've hated me your whole life, but I've loved you your whole life. Won't you come to me? and respond to the love that I've already bestowed upon you. And you can see all sorts of chains be broken. Yeah, no, but you don't understand. This is just the way. I literally remember, and I said this for years. I said that after 25, cologne men grow this and lose this, right? That's the way, right? We grow our bellies and we lose our hair, right? That's what happens to cologne men. I'm a cologne, doing Cologne, that's my name. And so... I go. That's that's what's gonna happen. I was like, hey, no, no, it didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. I started, and I couldn't control this. I can't control whatever. If you got a solution to this, help me out. But um, but I but I could I could pursue God, and God it was God who led me to exercise. It was God who led me to eat healthy. It was God who led me to to do things differently. I don't, have to, I don't have to drink my calories. I don't have to be addicted to alcohol my whole life. There was a time where that was true, but that was when I hated God. And then God in his sovereign, merciful grace gave me a love for him that freed me from my love for sin. Does this make sense? Okay. So I just wanted to, I knew that it was a strong man in your mind, and I knew we couldn't go forward if you didn't attack that thing. Is that okay? All right? Okay, now we're going to keep on moving. Okay, so now, and if you don't believe me, okay, uh, last thing on this point, if you don't believe me, I want you to check out the Old Testament, particularly um, the books of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. You will find that many, 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 many of the kings in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles were wicked, evil, bad, terrible kings, right? But there were some who had wicked, evil, bad, terrible kings, or for fathers, and then were righteous, good, grace-filled, God-loving sons. Let me give you four examples. Asa was the son of Abijah. That's found in 1 Kings 15 or 2 Chronicles 13 through 16. Asa was the son of Abijah. Abijah was super wicked. Asa, Asa was a good king. He was a righteous king. Okay, Uzziah was the son of Amaziah. Now, Uzziah did mess up at the end of his life, but for a lot of his life, he followed God. And you can find their story in 2 Kings 15, 2 Chronicles 26. Amaziah, his dad, was a nutcase and terrible. Um, Hezekiah, one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament, was the son of Ahaz, one of the worst kings in all of scripture, 2 Kings 16:20. You find that story Second, 2 uh, Chronicles 28 32. Uh, Josiah. Josiah is my favorite, favorite king in all of the Old Testament, and his father was Amon. Amon was the son of a guy by the name of Manasseh. You know how I come into this, and I tell you this all the time, I'm the worst person in this room. You know how I tell you that all the time? If you guys are new and you haven't heard me speak, I say that all the time. I'm the worst person in this world. You're a liar, I'm a bigger liar. You're a cheat, I'm a bigger cheat. You're a, you're a scoundrel, I'm a bigger scoundrel. I'm telling you, I'm just worse than you are. And I know that. And I'm, I don't, I'm not up here because I'm good. I'm up here because I'm graced by God, by his love. Now watch this. I said that I was the worst person I ever knew until I read about Manasseh. That's how bad Manasseh was. Manasseh literally sacrificed his children in the fire to a false god. Manasseh was crazy, diabolical, wicked. And he had a terrible son named uh, Amon. And Amon had one of the greatest, most righteous, most God-fearing sons in all of Scripture, Josiah. See? Listen to me. In Christ, our biography doesn't have to be our destiny. Do you understand? Our past does, in Christ, someone say in Christ. In Christ, our past doesn't have to dictate our future. Someone say in Christ. In Christ, what was doesn't have to be what will be. You see? We're not trapped to our culture. We're not trapped to the sins of our parents. We're not trapped to the generational curse. We're not trapped to those. In Christ, you hear the chains crash on the floor. In Christ, we're set free. In Christ, we're liberated from ego and pride and self-centeredness. In Christ... We can enjoy the freedom that's found in the only one who gives it at all. It's in Christ. Now, let's move to our second. That's enough. I think that was a great point. I almost feel like landing the plane right there. But we got more. Okay, so God knows. Here's number two. This is a big deal. Write this down, please. Pen, pencil, or mascara. Write this down, okay? Get this down. God knows that you are broken, but moves to sanctify us. God knows that you are broken. Someone say that God knows I am broken. God knows that I am broken. Absolutely. I know, which are, listen, I'm here and I'm dressed as good as I'm going to dress. And I'm behaving as good as I'm going to behave. This is my act for you. God knows how really broken I am. God knows what goes on between my ears. God knows the wicked thoughts that I embrace. God knows the temptations that I want to act out on. God knows I'm broken. But he is the one who moves to sanctify me. Sanctify me means make me look more like Jesus. That's all sanctification means, is make us look more like Jesus. Beloved. God knows that you're broken, but moves. He's the one who does the action. You see, many of us think that it's our responsibility. And there's a fake, there's a, there's a, a verse that we'll adopt. And we go, oh, no, 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 no. And like, you know, we've even heard terrible phrases. Some of us are in addicted communities and we've heard terrible phrases like this. Um, God will move mountains, but you better bring a shovel. So listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If your God needs you to bring a shovel, I don't wanna say it, but you're you're, you're not well off. You're, it's it's not gonna go well for you. God doesn't need you to bring a shovel. God does the miracle working work in you. And you go, but wait, I have to do my part. Wait, your part is only a byproduct of what the part that God does. It's like, it's like my son. It's like my son going, um, well, uh, I take, you know, like him taking credit for his shelter or his clothing or his food. How silly is it? Well, I'm glad that I put all this together. It's like, no, 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 you didn't put all this together, son. Trust me. If I leave you alone for a day, you'll die. Like, you know, this is not going to go well for you. I'm just talking about my older 29-year-old son. Forget about my younger 8-year-old son. It'll go not well for him. And so... And so, but it, they, they take, they, if they would take credit, I would go, no, 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 you don't understand. You only, he goes, yeah, but I put on my clothes. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I bought them for you, knucklehead. And if you have any any strength or ability, it's because I haven't malnourished you. You get it? Before you could feed yourself, I fed you. Before you could clothe yourself, I clothe you. The only, so, so, so you understand? So, but we think, we go, ah, but remember, there's a verse. It's a work out your salvation with fear and trembling, meaning I got to do my part. Yeah, but read the rest of the scripture. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, someone say for, for it is God who works in you to will and to obey according to his good purpose. In other words, it's God's work in you that you're able to work out. God only asks you to work out what he's worked in. Does that make sense? And so God knows you're broken, but he moves you to sanctification. He He pursues you to make you look more and more like Jesus. Forget the past. The past should be a cause for us to celebrate God and what he's taken us out of. Not a place where we need to stay in for the rest of our lives. God knows that you're broken, but moves to sanctification. We see this in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, that was actually a, uh, 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 that, with, with unveiled faces. Moses, when he was before the Lord, at the mount of the Lord, he would go out and the, and the scriptures say that his face would like glow because he had been with God and he would put a veil on his face. But Paul is saying, no, no, no. We are in front. We are before. God not only are, is before us, but he is in us, working through us. So with unveiled faces, we'll glow till the cows come home. We are unveiled, unobtrused. We are pursuing God. And we all those of us who know love and are surrendered to Christ, those of us who have confessed our sin and rebelled against our hate against God and rather ran towards God, those of us, and we all, that's the we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is pursuing you. God is transforming your life. What was true about your parents, God is working to not be true about you. What was true about the culture you grew up in, God is moving in you to transform you to something new and different and glorious and beautiful and something, someone that will lift up the name of Jesus. Lastly, our family curses are broken in Christ. Would you write that down? Our family curses, whatever maldiciones, whatever hexes, whatever, whatever curse, whatever uh, thing that you absorbed, whatever uh, example that was shown to you, whatever lifestyle that was inherited to you, whatever that was, they're broken in Christ. Jer- now, <laughs> (laughs) Jeremiah, the the, the people in Jeremiah's day would say, our parents have sinned and we have to pay the consequences for them. They actually had a phrase. It was in Jeremiah 31, 29. And it says, in those days, people will no longer say, because they were saying this in Jeremiah's day, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. The parents have eaten, you you know what that means, right? That your parents have done the sin, but now we pay the consequences for them. And Jeremiah's like, don't talk like that. Don't say that. That's not true. That's not right. That's not good. That's not not evident from scripture or from life. It's, listen to me, listen to me. The consequences that we face are direct results of the consequences. Well, number one, it's a broken world. So there are some consequences that we face that, I mean, like death being one of them, right? It's just a broken world. But there's also many consequences that we face that are a direct result of our own sin, not because our parents. Galatians 3.13. Remember, our family curses are broken in God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now look up at me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, if he redeemed us, if Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law how much more will we be redeemed from the curse of our family upbringing or the curse that was in our culture or the misinformation? I'm using the word curse, but the brokenness, the misinformation, the curse, the, the, how much more will we be liberated from the hex, from the curse, from the voodoo, from the maldición, from the, anything that was laid upon us? Listen to me. God... Redeemed us, Christ redeemed us, and we don't have to worry or live in the lie that was given even as we were growing up. Now, what will this mean for your life? Imagine, imagine with me, what would it be like if you actually believed? all the truth in God's word rather than all the lies you've grown up with. Imagine what your life would be like. Just imagine. There are literal lies that you embrace as true and they're hurting your marriage. They're devastating your single life. They're destroying your relationship with your kids. They're they're in there working a terrible effect with the relationship with your parents. They're, they're wreaking havoc in your workplace, lies that you believe. What if you believe the truth of God's word instead? What if you believe the truth? What would happen? Let me tell you what happened. Some of you, some of you would start applying to colleges. Because you would stop believing that lie—that well, my family never got an education, and I never got an education. It's too late now. You would stop believing those lies, and you go, you know what? It's like, it's, you know, when they, you know what—an apple tree. You know when they say the best time to plant an apple tree? The best time to plant an apple tree is 25 years ago. You know what the second? You know what the—you know what the second best time to plant an apple tree? Today right now, today. But what if you'd imagine it, imagine it, imagine, imagine you going, you know what, I'm going to go for the promotion because I'm not going to believe the lie. I'm going to believe that God is with me and that he's sanctifying me. What, what if you believed the truth of God's word? You'd stop playing with the alcohol, You'd stop, well, it's just one beer. I'm not like I used to be. I'm not smoking crack anymore. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But listen, you'd stop messing with that because you'd run to Jesus for comfort instead of alcohol. You would share your faith boldly, not afraid of being asked a question that you can't answer because there's a million questions you can't answer, but the one that you can answer is, this is what Jesus has done for me, and he can do it for you. You, if you would believe the truth of God's word and not the curses of your culture or the lies of your family or the broken of your generation, if you would believe the truth of God's word, you could be made set free. Here's what I want you to do. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, when you start getting down on yourself as the worship team comes up, I want you, as you start getting down yourself, I want you to pray like this. That God has anointed me. He has anointed me to break chains from my family. He has given me his spirit for encouragement, wisdom, and strength. He has given me his word for, for uh, instruction and worship and surrender. He has given me everything that I need. Everything that I need to not walk in the sins of my past in the way that I used to in the way things were he's given me everything so that I might walk in the power of the spirit he has anointed my feet with firmness to go forward he has strengthened my loins to say no to temptations he has gifted me right now to break chains that's Satan Would have placed on me i'm telling you that's your prayer that's when you're walking forward that's how i want you to go forward you're not a slave to your past you're not a slave to your parents past you're not a slave to your culture's um instructions could you imagine you know what would it be like some of us listen to me some of us were cursed when we were children Some older person took advantage of us when we were small. And then we became promiscuous throughout our lives because we thought we had to live that narrative out. That doesn't have to be your story. Some of us, some of us are literally pursuing same-sex attraction because of something that happened back here. And it's like, no, 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 you can be free. Some of us are confused about our gender because of this thing that happened back here. Beloved, you are not a slave of your past. And whatever you were is not what you can be if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you can walk in the freedom and the strength and the power that God gives Walk as the victor that God has given you and made you to be because Christ has won the victory for you and he'll do the victory in you and through you.